Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. I'd love to draft a tackle and not worry about where I'm going to move him to because he's going to succeed a freaking tackle. And Brandon Schultz. Is Steve Kime the Brian Williams of general managers? I say yes. And for that, do better. Go Hawks! Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast, your Seattle Seahawks podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and joining me, my good buddy and member of the Montana Seahawkers, Adam Emmer. Hey, Brandon, good to be on this week because you know why? Because Seahawk football is back, Brandon. You saw it. You saw it last week. First time all year. That felt like hawkball right there. Yeah, I don't know why when I look at the the Seahawks record it says 2 and 1 because from from my vantage point the season just started. They should be 1 and 0. Oh. And uh but no, they they decide to wait until the third week of the season before showing us what what we've expected and they get the 37 to 18 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, it turns out week 1 and week 2 of the regular season are not uh week 5 and 6 of the preseason. So <laughs> they 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 do count and the Seahawks are 2 and 1. But it was nice to see the offense actually do some positive things. In fact, some incredibly positive things. The offensive line looking like a force a little bit. I, I think we all need to temper some of the excitement, of course. But just knowing that it's in them and that it happened for a game that we can actually point at and say, okay, there, there, there can be improvement. That's a great start and a great feeling. And we'll get into that. We will talk about how the run game went for the Seahawks and why that was so important to get it going against the 49ers. Uh, talk about the injury to Russell Wilson, another injury another, at another home game. Uh, we don't like to see that, but we're going to talk about that and maybe what the team should do moving forward. And uh, we'll take a look at the Jets. We got another opponent coming up as the Seahawks go to the East Coast for one of their early starts, one of their two early starts. And uh, talk about what we see with the Jets coming up and also getting into some do better and better at life. You betcha, Brandon. So, well, let's start with the Niners game because it was a lot of fun. And uh, let, let's save the offense a little bit because it, it, there's a lot to talk about with that. Let's start with the defense and the idea that for the third straight week, they came out and just suffocated the life out of the opposing offense. Yeah, you wouldn't notice uh, looking at that final score, but uh, the the Seahawks in control throughout the game, not until that fourth quarter. Going into the fourth quarter, they had only given up three points, and it's hard to be critical of this defense, right? Because other than the fact that until this game, they hadn't yet gotten a turnover, that was maybe the most negative thing that you could say. Uh, yeah, and and. They've given up a couple plays to tight ends, but I mean, that's you have to be very nitpicky uh, with this defense and to say that, oh, well, they score. They they gave up two touchdowns to the 49ers. That's being nitpicky. This defense is awesome. Well, especially when you say oh, they gave up two touchdowns to the 49ers. Yeah, they did in garbage time when they were playing, you know, soft pass defense and they decided to run the ball right. uh, when when Blaine Gabbard actually decides to check into some run plays. So that's. Look, that's going to happen. That's why it's called garbage time. It's all garbage. Who cares? <laughs> I, I care about what was going on when everybody was going at full tilt. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that the 49ers have led the league in three and outs. So it's not like they're an offensive juggernaut. But this is a team that hung some points on Carolina. This is a team that hung some points on 
the the Rams too, and that was not in garbage time. They jumped on the Rams early in that game. Yeah, they really did. So I, th- it's a team that is capable of scoring. It's just that uh, the Seahawks defense is the best in the league this year. Sorry, Broncos fans. The Seahawks defense is the best in the league this year, and it's it's just evident across the board. They give up nothing on the ground, barely anything through the air. Richard Sherman is playing at the top, top level, uh, showing you what a shutdown corner looks like. Bobby Wagner's playing out of his mind early in this season, and I'm not even talking about the pick. That was a little of being in the right spot at the right time. Now, he had to hustle to be in the right spot at the right time, so give him credit for that, but... Just overall, man, he's having the year that we all expected him to have last year when he had a little bit of a down year. Well, and you talk about that pick by by uh, Bobby Wagner. It was interesting because watching that game, I the play right before it, I, I said to the, the folks that I was sitting next to, I said, watch Quentin Patton. It, it's going his direction. And, and that was on second down. And the ball went Quentin Patton's direction. That was an incomplete pass. And then the very next play, Bobby Wagner it ends up picking off a pass that, that bounces off the hands of Patton. Niners looking at a third and eight from their own 27. Over the middle, ball's tipped up in the air, intercepted Bobby Wagner. He's headed upfield to the end zone, down to the 20, bounces off a tackle, and is knocked out of bounds, far sideline. It was intended for Quentin Patton, the wide receiver, tipped up in the air, and Bobby Wagner right there on the spot. And there is the first takeaway of the year by the Seahawks' D. We knew it was coming, and again puts the Seahawks in great field position. And you mentioned Wagner uh, has the interception, also in on six assisted tackles. And Blaine Gabbert doesn't even get 120 yards, 119 yards and a pick the stat line for Blaine Gabbert in this game. Ouch. That that sounds a little like a career ender. I, I like the comment by Michael Bennett after the game. They were asking him whether they should put Kaepernick in, you know, because, of, you know, or what kind of challenge did Blaine Gabbert pose to the defense? He's like, there was no challenge whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it was easy, basically. Well, and Chip Kelly apparently saying this week after the game that Colin Kaepernick isn't quite uh, ready to go in terms of his health. So that could be a, a big part of, of why Gabbert was in there. But it, interesting that you don't hear that until after the game. I see you are not buying this, Adam. No, that is BS all the way around. And you know it's BS because the only reason Chip Kelly is not starting Colin Kaepernick is because he's kneeling before the game. And so it makes the, it makes the headline even bigger. And he's worried about bringing the distraction to the rest of the team. That's all this is. This isn't about Kaepernick's health. This is about Chip Kelly being afraid that his starting quarterback is the one running the protest because every time he trots out on the field, there's going to be those ignorant few. It may, you know, maybe it's quite a bit that boo him. It's going to be a big distraction for the team. He just wants to avoid it altogether. I don't even feel like it's a distraction anymore. You've heard a lot of folks talk about Doug Baldwin included Michael Bennett saying that essentially the media is now ignoring the issue. And and part of the reason why is it isn't really news anymore because the, he continues to do it during the game. It was news at, at the start of the year when when they first noticed. So now the media can go on because there's actual football and sports reporters cover football. And uh, and so that that's in their nature. It's why they they have games to cover rather than talking about a story that maybe isn't necessarily news anymore. That's true. I think that's one of the things that makes it news again. Right. If they start Colin Kaepernick. Well, that's a good it, point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what Chip Kelly's trying to avoid. But to your point, though, uh, as far as people not covering the story as much and rightfully so. The idea is, is that, okay, cool. Like, so you made a stand, right, in public. 
Now what? Right. Now, now, now what? What? What's? Do you have? Have you been sitting down with people who are experts in the area of de-escalation? Are are you? Are you sitting down with attorney generals? Are you? What are you doing? What are you doing to try to keep advancing the conversation? Because taking a knee only does so much, right? Okay, cool. You sparked the conversation. Now that we're talking, now where are you leading us? And I think that's probably why it's lost a little of its steam. Yeah, and I think you see that a little bit in the individual markets, and because we don't follow the the Forty ers specifically that closely, but you, you heard from Doug Baldwin, you know, wanting to sit down with the Attorney General and and has you know a bunch of ideas, considering the fact that his father uh, is a sheriff, and and so he he has lots of ideas. He's he's talked about it in press conferences. So it's for the Seahawks, we we see them doing things. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens with Kaepernick going forward, but. I think it is time to start him because Blaine Gabbert is he's still Blaine Gabbert. As much as I, I wanted or, or thought that he kind of improved at the end of last season, I think the book is pretty much totally out on him. And maybe maybe not to put him fully under the bus. Another thing that is really evident now, after seeing it a few times now, because once it's a coincidence, twice is a trend, three times is a you problem. Chip Kelly's offense gets smothered by a Seattle defense. Chip Kelly has nothing when it comes to coaching against Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll owns him. <laughs> why why is it that Pete Carroll and and the Seahawks offense can or Seahawks defense can own an offense like the San Francisco 49ers but yet they can't <laughs> they can't figure out a way to beat the Rams. <laughs> I'm still upset about this. <laughs> well, the Rams didn't exactly light the world on fire offensively against us. So, <laughs> That's true. It, it's not so much that it's that we can't figure out the Rams defense. Yeah. That's the bigger problem. Yeah. We got to figure that out. Yeah. That's on the docket of Daryl <laughs> Bevel, I think, in his to do list next year. Pete Carroll is actually going to get to the master classes that he didn't teach Russell and Earl. Maybe part of that is, hey, Russ, don't get hurt. Maybe he could impart that in the offseason. And maybe Daryl Bevel can go in and say, like, hey, maybe I'm going to study this Rams tape a little bit, come up with a game plan. And maybe the week leading up to the game, maybe Russell can find some time to actually sleep, you know, because it was going it was that week where he talked about only having six hours of sleep going into the Rams game. Yeah, it turns out sleep's important to your deal. Yeah, it, it helps you. It helps you on it do just about everything. Like I, I can tell you, I got up early today. I'm on little sleep today. And I can tell you already. I feel like I'm on a little lesser level this podcast. Russell Wilson needs to needs to sleep. There is time to sleep, Russell. It's called eight hours. Do it. <laughs> We've kind of gotten away from the defense. And uh, yeah, one of the th- criticisms, because, you know, holding Gabbert to 120, uh, less than 120 yards of passing wasn't enough. Uh, the criticism for the defense this week, no sacks. Yeah. OK, sorry. Well, they shut, shut you down. I, I just don't care. That <laughs> doesn't bother me. They, they've shown that they can get pressure on on different uh, quarterbacks throughout the throughout the first two weeks. I don't think that it's a problem at all. I'm not worried. Uh, it, it, the pass rush is fine, so stop it. You're just you're in the. You talked about picking the smallest of nits possible. That people have out their electron microscope looking for those nits at this point. I mean, defense is awesome, best in the league, shutting everybody down, and that's not going to be a problem. What we have now is an offense that showed some signs of life, though. Exactly. And they showed signs of life right from the beginning. On the third play of the game, you had Christian Michael. The last time he touched the ball, he fumbled. And yet the first time he touches the ball against the 49ers, he does this. 
First and 10 at the 41 of San Francisco. Offset eye this time. The turn in hand to Kristen Michael. Has some running with 30, 25, 20. He could go 10, 5. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Kristen Michael over the left side. A huge hole, and he goes 41 yards for a touchdown. His first career rushing touchdown. Kristen Michael opens this game with a bang. 41 yards. See, Mike gets his first career NFL touchdown and that burst of speed, Adam. That that's what we're excited about with C. Mike. He didn't need the burst of speed on that run. You want to know why? Because the offensive line actually executed the zone blocking scheme to an absolute like perfection on that play. Guys doing combo blocks, moving up to the second level. I mean, that left side of the line really tore into San Francisco all day. They had no chance against uh, Britt Glowinski and Sal. I mean, they really did just move them all over the place. So after having a meltdown last week about maybe getting rid of the zone blocking stuff, <laughs> it seemed to come together here at week three. Somebody heard me like either they decided to pay more attention and do it right or scrap it. And they decided to do it right. And I, I was happy for that. Well, part of it has to do with the defensive line, but you you have to give more credit, not just to the offensive line. You had wide receiver Tanner McAvoy out there laying a key block and uh, just a, a nice block to to give that open lane to see Mike so he can run straight to the end zone. It really was a nice block by him. It, the, our version of Terrell Pryor, he is a Swiss Army knife for sure. And I think that uh, his blocking seemed to help a little bit in the game, but really, Brandon... How impressed were you with the offensive line after this game? I mean, is this something where we should be like, nailed it. We got it now. Going forward, this is going to be fine. Or do you still have some reservations? I I still have some reservations, Adam. It may be, it may be surprising for you to, to hear that. But I'm, I'm not you? all in on the line oh. uh, just because they performed well against the San Francisco 49ers. All right. That's fair enough because they're kind of a dumpster fire. And that's, that's fine. But look. Jamarcus Webb you have still to, in this. It, it, it was not a flawless offensive game by the offensive line. Jamarcus Webb is still Jamarcus Webb. Right. And he's going to be out of the lineup soon. It's going to be it's going to be fine. That, that helps. That helps with everything. But uh, once a Fetty's back, I think that's going to make a big difference. Now, the one thing I said last week, and I, I thought I got killed for it. Nobody really did come forward and, and really kill me for it. But I said the offense was close. That felt like we were right there and that we would probably score 24 points in this game. I just wish I would have said 24 points in the first half yeah. because that wasn't the only big play of the first half. Uh, this was not a scoring play, but maybe the most spectacular play of the entire game. Doug Baldwin going full on OBJ one handed. That was a sick catch. Doug Baldwin slotted on the right side. Here comes the blitz. Russell scampers out of trouble. Looks, throws. Doug Baldwin reaches out. Does he make that catch? Yes, he does. Holy smokes. A one-handed catch. I have a bone to pick with Rabel. <laughs> How is that not a holy catfish-worthy worthy catch? Just he, holy smoke? It downgra- he downgraded to holy smokes. Because we know on the, the hierarchy of Rabel calls, holy catfish is the most impressed he can be in holy smokes. is like, that was pretty good. Right. But it could have been cooler. It's like how, how catfish is censoring himself from actually swearing. The smokes is kind of a, a censorship for for the half sensor that the catfish is exactly yeah it's a sensor of the sensor you're you're 100 percent on 
So I, but really, Doug Baldwin in this game was just on fire yet again, showing that a lot of people have already been given credit for being the best slot receiver in the league. We need to put him in the category of being one of the best receivers in the league, period. Eight catches, 164 yards, averaged 20 yards a catch, man, and, and with a touchdown in there. What a what a huge game for Doug Baldwin. And he's really, he's taken it up even another level this year after getting paid. It wasn't just that play where he laid out horizontally with the ground. It, I mean, it was... <laughs> It was amazing to see the pictures of that play when he got his one hand on the ball. He was mm-hmm. almost perfectly level with the ground, but you had that play. And then not too long later, you had another 59-yard catch by Doug Baldwin, which helped set up another score for the Seahawks. This is a third and 14 shotgun snap, empty backfield. Russell has time. He's going to let it fly. Got a man running deep downfield, reaching up, making the catch all the way down to the 20-yard line. Guess who? Number 89, Doug Baldwin. All he does is get behind defenders and race to the ball. Beautiful shot by Russell. Lots of air under it. All the way down to the 18-yard line of San Francisco. A huge 59-yard play from Russell to Baldwin. A third and 14, the 49ers decide to rush only three defensive linemen, and Russell Wilson makes them pay with that 59-yard hookup to Baldwin. That was one thing that was impressive in this game. I think the Seahawks converted on nearly 60-odd-some percent of yeah. their third downs in 64%. They were 9 of 14. And and when you're connecting on third and 14s, too, for the most part, they we talked about last week, staying on schedule, having third and short, you know, third and six or less. And uh, and they really did a much better job about uh, that this week than they have in past weeks. They did stay on schedule a little better, but also when they weren't on schedule, they were how many of those third downs were third and longs? I mean, there were quite a few, it seemed like. And I really was super impressed with that part of the game because once you see that Russell Wilson has just a tiny bit of protection, he is one of the most lethal quarterbacks in this league. And I mean, there's just no two ways about it. So knowing that the offensive line will continue to get better as we go forward. Man, this offense, it can be the same type of offense that finished in the top five in points per game like it did last year. And I, to be honest, I feel like the offense started out even slower last year. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't until, what, week eight or so when Drew Nowak was finally taken out of the lineup that the offense really seemed to kind of get it together. So we're already here. And really, you know, you think back to last year, too. And it took him until about that time to really start getting Jimmy Graham involved in the offense. And and boy, did Graham get involved this game with 100 yards receiving. This is the first time in a couple of years that you've had two uh, pass catchers getting over 100 yards. Graham with 100 and Doug Baldwin with 164. And and you didn't even see Tyler Lockett on the field as a receiver that much. And when you think about having Lockett and Graham and Baldwin how is a defense going to account for all those guys that you can have a pretty good defense and, and not be able to c- account for three exceptional players at any given time, especially when Jimmy's playing that physically. I mean, how many of those were amazing contested catches that the, the jump ball that Russell tossed up to him when uh, the defense was offsides and he just basically rips it away from the DB. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the guy that we traded for. That that was the Jimmy Graham that we were looking for. 
Yeah, earlier on in the game, there was a, another third and long where Russell Wilson throws it over the middle of the field and and Graham able to secure the ball and hold on to it before taking a big hit and and still manages to hold on to the ball. That was a it was another big third down play by Graham. It really was. And he needed those things, right? He needed to finally get out there and get knocked around a little bit. I know he said he felt like a beast coming into this game, but he must feel like Godzilla after this game because getting hit, knocked around a little bit. Now you have confidence in the injury and the, to know that you're back and to really go out there and perform. And we saw that as Jimmy Graham actually got into the end zone and completed ses- successfully a scramble drill. Russell out of the shotgun. Kristen Michael. Russell's going to throw again. Has some time. Steps up. Now he scrambles left. Looks. Throws to the end zone. Touchdown! Seahawks! Jimmy Graham in the middle of the defense and the middle of the end zone. Wide open. He slams the ball. An 18-yard touchdown reception. And just when it started to look even the least bit bleak, the Seahawks stretch their lead to 20-3. to yeah, twenty-one to three at after that touchdown, and they go into the half up twenty-four to three. Adam, yeah, the twenty-four points. I wish again. I wish I just would have said by half <laughs> instead. <laughs> and then you could have been right. Yeah, but you, you talked a little about Tyler Lockett not being involved a lot in the passing offense this last week. Well, both him and Baldwin had some knee injuries that they were working through, and I think they were just trying to throttle Tyler Lockett back a little bit for this week, um, but. Even though he didn't have a huge impact on the receiving end of things, we did see him in special teams come out and do Tyler Lockett things. Wobbly end over end. Lockett's going to have return written on this one from his 11. Cuts forward to the 20, 25, 30. Kicks it outside left 40. Makes a man miss 50. Down the far sideline. He's got one man to beat. Picking up blocking as he goes. Still one man. And finally, he is brought down at the 25-yard line. No flags down. Aaron Burbridge, the last man to beat, finally brings him down. But Tyler Lockett explodes with a huge punt return to put the Seahawks near pay dirt one more time. And if that's the way Lockett is when he has a knee injury, holy smokes, did you see him juking and cutting out there? <laughs> when- yeah, I, I really, once he kind of crossed about the 50, I, I jumped up out of my chair. I'm like, he's gone. <laughs> Like I thought for sure he was gone because I think a Tyler Lockett that is healthy, fully healthy, would have taken that all the way to the house. I think I think he was a little bummed out he didn't manage to to take it all the way, but still played with a lot of courage to get out there and even do that and be a contributing member to the team uh, this week. I think a lot of guys played real tough in this game, uh, including your quarterback who took just that was a another fluky nasty hit that he took and sprains his left MCL. Well, yeah, and that was the third play, just the third play after Lockett's punt return. So, man, if if he does take it all the way, and you never know how things are going to go. Maybe he gets hurt later in the game, but just three plays later for that to happen, and, uh, and they end up coming out uh, with a field goal. But, yeah, Russell Wilson takes another big hit, and when you saw it, you had to think it was a lot worse than, than just a sprained MCL. Well, especially when you see him kind of clutch the grass and pull himself forward a little bit, you know, like it just in pain, kind of up into the field fetal position. We've never seen him act like that after getting hit. Never. I never want to see it again. That's the first, last and only time I ever want to see Russell Wilson writhing in pain on the ground. 
I remember him getting blasted by Clay Matthews in the championship game and still didn't look like that. Mm-mm. And it was an awkward tackle. I mean, he did get called for the, the horse collar, uh, but he was kind of grabbing him in a few different spots. But that's the whole point of calling the horse collar is it does. It, it protects people from injuries just like that because you do end up falling on people's legs weird. Um, but is there... May, let, let's look at the list of tough SOB quarterbacks in this league. I mean, Russell Wilson's got to be in the top five of that at this point, right? Well, you hadn't really seen enough up until this point to know really how he responds and reacts to big hits that, that potentially could be serious injuries, right? And so this is really the first year where you can you can really put him into that category. You see it from from Ben Roethlisberger every year. You see it from... Uh, yeah, Rivers is another good an, example. Yeah, another good example. Even Carson Palmer, to an extent, you see him get you know dinged up a little bit. It's not until he has the ACL injuries where you see him come out of the game, and it's that kind of mentality that you see in superstar quarterbacks that they never want to come out of the game. In fact, he what took a playoff and then trots back out yeah. there all on his own accord. Yeah, boy, and everybody's can... like, wait, wait, wait. He's like, no, no, no I got this. And just like, he just runs out there. He the selective hearing of like a bad child, you know, just, just trots back out there. He's going to run a few more plays. I mean, that I applaud him for that. But also there's a, there's the other half of me that goes, dude, like just simmer down for a minute. Yeah, Coach Carroll wasn't super happy about the fact that Russell just ran onto the field. And apparently their play calling uh, after that was very conservative because they they didn't want to do anything that would put him in jeopardy uh, behind that offensive line. So you could see some really conservative play calling and with the team already in field goal position uh, and and with the score kind of being out of hand at at that point anyway, you knew that Russell Wilson was going to come out of the game. Well, Maybe you didn't know, but you re- you really, really hoped that he was going to come out of the game up 24 points. Well, and you were at the game, so you didn't get to watch the TV copy. But, you know, Russell's going up and down the sidelines like he was not happy. He was not happy about the idea that he was getting uh, taken out of the game. You know, finding a dude to fit him with a brace as fast as possible. Apparently, Pete Carroll had told him at one point, if you take the helmet off, you're not getting it back. I promise you. And he buckled the chin strap. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what that's what he's thinking in that moment. Fortunately, Doug Baldwin came over and was part of the voice of reason that said, Hey man, why don't you let the let the rook out there come out there and, 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 and sling it around a little bit? I mean, the game's in hand. Just relax. Take it easy. You've earned your keep today. Yeah, Russell Wilson needs to know that that we need him for about a good fifteen week stretch. Uh and and you know, we might get a couple, you know, one or two weeks off come January. So definitely the next 12 weeks, we need you healthy. And uh, so, uh, you know, rest your body. Maybe, uh, maybe even take off this next week. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know if that happens, but I, I want to see a healthy Russell Wilson. And had he been hurt or not hurt, that was the time for him to come out of the game regardless. Absolutely. And, a sprained MCL is a torn MCL. Am I am I correct? Yeah, there's like even apparently like different grades. Tear? And Carol was asked, "Oh, did have you assigned a, a grade uh, to to the the MCL sprain?" And he said, "No, we don't want to do that." So I, I'm sure they know, but uh, he doesn't want that information to to go out. And uh, and so even if it's a, a small tear or like a grade one tear, apparently that's a one to two week injury uh, for recovery. 
Interesting. So I didn't know that. If that is indeed the case, then let's give them one to two weeks. Sit down versus the Jets. And by all reports, that ain't happening. It sounds like Russell is on schedule to play. They expect him to play. They need to not only protect Russell from himself, but they need to protect Pete Carroll from himself. Somebody needs to get in his head. That, that needs to be Paul Allen. Paul Allen needs to be like, hey, I understand you, you're really competitive and you want to win, but let's win further on down the road. We can, we can chalk up this Jets game. Boykin might even pull it out for all we know. I don't know. Uh, it, it's a possibility. Do I think it's a good one? Not really. But let's give him two weeks to heal up. Let, you know, let's maybe rest a bunch of starters. The NBA has been doing this for a long time now. People, some people hate it. Uh, some people understand it. I completely understand it. I know it's not a 72-game season for the NFL, but it's such a more physical game that a 16-week season is huge. It's hard to get through. You know what? If you rest all your starters and kind of just take a game off, I, I'm not I'm not wholly against it when guys are really dinged up like this and you can get right and be ready to make a really strong push down the stretch. Well, and this is coming from a guy who come, you know, toward the end of the season, you're ready to give up games just to get a draft pick. So I can see why you would be all in for Russell, uh, resting Russell Wilson going into a, a week four game against the Jets. Hey, I'm. You may say that this is like a defeatist attitude or whatever you want. How can you call it that when it's more winning? What I'm what I'm rooting for is more winning, and the, the reason I'm rooting for more winning than less is let's not get our franchise guy killed out there while he's hobbled, and so we have him for the remainder of the season so we win more games. I'm into more winning, not less. A lot like Donald, I I, I want to win. I more winning. <laughs> I want to win so much. We're tired of winning. I, I see. That's the attitude that I like. And coming up against the Jets, I want to talk about even matchup wise, which quarterback in their current state of health matches up better against the Jets. But let's let's finish this uh, this game wrapping up because we did have your backup quarterback, Trevon Boykin, T Boyk, come in, and uh, not only did he get the job done as far as just keeping the offense moving, uh, able to lead, you know get the field goal while he was out there, uh, able to because because it was right after the Bobby Wagner interception that they get a field goal, and then later on uh, he throws a touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin. Boykin takes the shotgun snap. Here comes the blitz. Quick throw outside. Ball's caught. It's Baldwin on the near sideline to the five. He's in. Touchdown Seahawks. They saw the blitz. And they took advantage of the blitz, and Baldwin turns upfield and scores from 16 yards out. And the Seahawks are blowing this one open 36-3. to Yeah, he quitted himself just fine, I think. I mean, 7 for 9, 65 yards, touchdown on an atrocious pick. And <laughs> The, look, the it, pick it, was atrocious. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is that Boykin is Boykin. He's one read. Chuck it there. It, it just don't make no never mind. I'm throwing it to whoever that dude is and give Daryl Bevel some credit. He dialed up some stuff that was basically one read centric. Yeah. And that that'll get you by for a game or two until that NFL really figures you out and then you're going to have problems. But, uh, you know, I, I thought for an undrafted rookie to come in at that point for his first NFL experience, I think he acquitted himself just fine. Well, yeah, seven and nine for 65 yards and a touchdown. And you mentioned the one pick. 
I mean, the fact that he only missed his receivers twice, I think one of them was a pass to Baldwin in the end zone, right? That that Baldwin, uh, it wasn't really on the money. And, and then the interception. So for him to come in and do that, and if he can just hand the ball off to to Michael and the offensive line can get a, a decent push, you have a guy that if he can escape pressure and move around a little bit, get the passing drill going, he can. I think he can be effective in in short situations, but still probably not a guy that's going to have you winning long term, right? No, I think he can come in and carry you for a half of football to a full game of football, whether that is filling in for one entire game or one entire half. I don't see him as the backup caliber that can carry you for three to five games. And I think that's, that's the difference of backup quarterbacks, right? The, the really good backup quarterbacks, they can get you through three to five games. Whereas, you know, the kind of where Boykin is right now in his career, I don't, I'm not saying he can't get to being a guy that can carry you for three to five. Oh yeah. Games. He, he fact, needs experience. He, uh, and, and that's why in a game like this, where you're up by 24 points, uh, we, that's why I say whether Wilson was healthy or not, this is a, the perfect game for for you to pull your starting quarterback and start getting those kind of reps for a quarterback that if your offensive line isn't going to be able to to be healthy an entire season or or hold up to the point to where they can keep your quarterback from getting hit, uh, then then you want some a backup quarterback with some experience in the game. Absolutely, and I think well, look at the Patriots; uh, they're now kind of reaping the benefits of having Brady have a four-game suspension in that sense where the backups have gotten a lot of uh, experience. And I think, to illustrate my point, Garoppolo looks like a quarterback that can take you through three to five games pretty easy. Yeah. Where Brissett, like, I know he looked amazing in the one game and all that. I don't see that being something that's sustained for, you know, two, three, four games. I think the NFL figures that out. I mean, Belichick was smart enough to get him by for a week. Yeah. And bless his Satan heart. I get it. <laughs> that, that's fine. But, but... That that's the difference in backup quarterbacks, and you know, Brissett and Boykin are, are are similar. All right. Well, with the backup quarterback in mind, let's go into this upcoming game against the New York Jets. Before we get into the game, Adam, I want to let folks know that uh, you can go to SeahawkersPodcast dot com slash tickets. If you want, if you're over in the New York area, uh, you want to go to this game because tickets. Are, are actually relatively affordable right now. I'm looking at, at two tickets up in the uh, in concourse three, 61 bucks for wow. for uh, one ticket to a game. So, you know, you can go you can get two people into a game. You can get three people into a game in New York for the cost of one ticket in Seattle right now. So you can go to Seahawkerspodcast.com slash tickets and uh, get your tickets through the ticket network and 12 percent gets kicked back to the Seahawkers podcast. That's pretty awesome, man. So basically, that $61 ticket, $10 for every pick that uh, Fitzpatrick is going to throw again this week. <laughs> is that how that works? I hope so. I, yeah, because uh, six picks in this last game. Uh, it, you definitely want to see that out of him again this week. Hopefully, hopefully he didn't just, uh, you know, that, that wasn't all his picks for the season, just just up in one game. Yeah, no kidding. I, but that's a little bit of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? I mean, he's 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 hot and cold like that. The Seahawks, they have not played in New York against the Jets since 2004. And in fact, Adam, I don't know if they've ever gotten a win against a Jets team in the stadium. 
No kidding. Yeah, I isn't that? I hadn't really thought about that. I, I, looking back in 2004, the last time they played them, they lost 37-14. They lost in 2000 to the Jets. They lost in 1998 to the Jets. Uh, and then even going back to 87 and 85, uh, those are the, yeah, every single game that they've played in East Rutherford, New Jersey, they have lost to the Jets. It's a, it's a totally different thing when they play the Giants, but for some reason, the Jets have their number uh, in their home stadium. I don't know why this is. I don't know either. Vinny Testaverde. Maybe it's Vinny Testaverde. Maybe that's the reason. I probably. Or are they just the AFC version of the Rams? Yeah. Is that basically what it is? I don't know. Maybe they have some kind of voodoo going on that the Giants uh, haven't figured out to get in on. Well, maybe they are uh, the AFC version of the Rams because here's another team that we come up against that has a stacked defensive line. And this is my number one argument for keeping Russell Wilson out of the game. If this, if we were playing the 49ers this week, let Russell Wilson play. That's fine. You even saw against them, he still got hurt. So like even against a cruddy defensive line. This is a really talented defensive line. And whether that's uh, Muhammad Wilkerson or Sheldon Richardson, I mean, the list goes on. These guys are really strong up front. And I see the development of the offensive line. Maybe take a little step back this week. I mean, the step back, it's hard to say if they just keep performing how they have this whole season. It just the fact that the the New York Jets have a defensive line that can that has that potential to just brutalize a quarterback. Go go to week one when the Jets played the Cincinnati Bengals and Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton felt this Jets defensive line because I think he got sacked like eight times. And uh, and and Dalton is now even though the the Cincinnati Bengals lines gotten better as it, through the next couple weeks because of that one game. Andy Dalton leading the league in sacks. Holy smokes! I didn't realize that. Yeah, they they really can get after the passer, and really since he's offensive line is pretty good. So maybe they just had a clunker week one. I mean that sort of thing happens, but the track record for these defensive linemen would kind of suggest that. It might have been the fact that they were playing a great defensive line. And the the one thing that is encouraging about the Jets' defense, though, as far as our matchups with them, is the secondary isn't all that great. And uh, basically, when your best corner is Buster Screen, uh, a, a career journeyman, <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't freak me out too much because you, I know everybody's like, wait a second, their best corner is Darrell Rivas. And I'd look at you and say, like, wait a second, really? <laughs> because... He's playing like garbage this year. They've really targeted him. He's given up a lot, a lot of yards this year. Yeah, A.J. Green really torched him in that first game. And then uh, they gave up the the big deep pass to the, the speedy dude from Buffalo. Uh, I think he had like an 80-some yard reception on Darrell Rivas. Just blew right by him. And uh, and the Bills able to get a quick touchdown pass uh, against Rivas. So, yeah, not... Uh, I think he still does well in the short stuff. I think it's just that now other teams, they have young guys with some speed that can, that can blow by Revis now. Well, not only can they blow by Revis, but one of the areas of the field that the New York Jets are giving up the most in pass coverage is on the right side, right and short. So there could be a lot of checkdowns there that are available and things of that nature. So I, I just really like the idea that, the Seahawks offense, as far as our weapons, we just have way too many for them to cover. I, I just don't see how that defensive backfield matches up with, you know, Baldwin Lockett Graham and a little bit of Jermaine Curse, who had Jermaine is one of those guys, right? That one week he'll go for 
two catches for 11 yards like he did this last week. And then the next week, he has nine catches for a buck 20. And it just kind of comes out of the woodwork. He could, he could be a sneaky matchup for the team this week as well. Well, and when you talk about the secondary, though, you you do have to ask the question of does the secondary need to be that good if they're getting a ton of pressure on the quarterback, forcing those short dump off passes? Maybe the secondary doesn't need to be that great unless you're you're really airing it out. And it was it wasn't, um, you know, the Bills game, I guess, against the Jets was probably the most evident one of of the Bills not really being able to to move the ball down the field very effectively, but it was where they got those those big long touchdowns to where they that allowed the Bills to stay in the game with the Jets and and that was a game where Ryan Fitzpatrick was Fitz Magic, uh the the Fitz Magic version and not the version yeah. that we saw against the Chiefs. Not Pickpatrick. Right. <laughs> like he just <laughs> Eight turnovers, man. eight turnovers, the Jets against the Chiefs. That that is huge. It only lost by 21. <laughs> right. Like, I, yeah, I mean, that's I know you say well, only 21, but only 21 after eight turnovers. You should have been blown out by like 50. Yeah, so that speaks a little bit to the defense and maybe the ineptitude of Alex Smith and in, in the Chiefs offense to a degree. But yeah, I just. The idea that Muhammad Wilkerson lines up directly across from uh, Jamarcus Webb—that terrifies me. I mean, if we if we don't if we get a Fetty back this week, I think we have a pretty pretty solid shot of winning this game. Russell coming out unscathed, and, and everything's good in the in the land of the twelves. Can I if, can I just put in that if if a Fetty is not starting, I I really want to see Trevon Boykin back there because when you talk about how they match up with the health of individual players. I think you really, really need the mobility of Trevon Boykin back there in the backfield to, to get away from the defensive line. If the offensive line is going to be missing assignments or getting pressure into the backfield, I think you're going to need to have that. And when I see Russell Wilson's ankles taped up to the same extent that your center, Justin Britt has his ankles taped up being in the trenches uh, that that concerns me about your mobility, but it looks cool. It, it looks cool. <laughs> and now he's going to have a knee brace to go along with it, right? Yeah. Well, they, we I think we saw the ankle be being OK last week. I, I really thought yeah. that he was moving around really well up until he had his knee messed up. He doesn't have the speed that he would normally have, though. Uh, maybe not. I, yeah, I, that's probably true to a degree, but he, he seemed to be able to execute everything well. And it didn't seem to be bothering. It didn't seem to be something that was on his mind as he was playing. So I have a compromise for this game. Mm-hmm. You let Russell Wilson go out, take the start, let him hand the ball off a few times. That way he, he gets his, his start and he can continue his streak of starts. And then you put Boykin in and, and you and you keep Russell Wilson as a backup in case Boykin doesn't look like he can handle himself against the Jets. And and that way, if you're Coach Carroll playing to win every time you, you still have that that backup op- option and Russell Wilson, maybe maybe even you, you play your normal Seahawky type game, keep it within a touchdown and then you let Russell come in and, and win the game, you know, lead him down the field for the game winning drive and be the closer. That, that, that'd be interesting. Now, be the starter and that, the closer. It, if you yeah, and now if you do that, if he goes out and gets the official start and all that, right, and he ends up having like a Farvian streak where you know he goes on and has you know sets a record or something like that, 
Is that similar to like when Brett Favre just laid down for Michael Strahan to to get the sack record for a single season? I mean, is it cheating? I mean, it's not. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. but you see Michael asking. Strahan complaining that he's the 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 sack leader for a single season. Well, there are some people that do complain about that. They 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 actually give far. But it's a not Strahan. It's not Strahan complaining. No, it's not Strahan complaining. That's for sure. But look, I then I look at the Jets' offense coming into this game, and you know we all can sit and point to their last game, and they're not going to turn it over eight times again. They're probably not even going to turn it over three times again. If we ended up with two turnovers this week, Brandon, I'd be really excited about that. I'd be okay with that. And I think to get those turnovers and I, I don't mind how they come, whether it's, you know, through the air, uh, on the ground, uh, Fitzpatrick clearly just not an accurate quarterback. And I watch times at at times, times, extremely well. And, and part of it is just the defense's ability to capitalize too. Cause I go back and I watch the, the jets and Bengals game in that week one game. And Fitzpatrick, he had his accuracy issues, but it was the Bengals that that couldn't quite capitalize and and pick it off. And yes, the Jets still lost that game. Part part of that was due to the fact that uh, they they missed an extra point in that game, so that gave the Bengals uh, a chance to capitalize on that, and they win by one point. So, but there were so many times where I saw Fitzpatrick overthrowing one of his wide receivers and just going right through the hands of, of somebody in the secondary. You know, Earl Thomas better be on his game in this game against the Jets because unless they adjust what they've been doing, he could be really busy this game. The, the Jets are tied for first in passes to the deep middle of the field. And that's area 29. That's area 29. That's, yeah. Throw there at your own risk. And look, I, Go ahead and try Earl. I know a lot of people are you know, saying that he hasn't, like pro football focus, saying that he hasn't played all that great so far this year. But, I mean, he's Earl Thomas. He's still playing pretty good. I, I, I feel good about that. Speaking of pro football focus, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the lowest grade ever, ever, that they've ever given for a quarterback for that one game against the Chiefs. Well, somebody's got to have it. And if they don't ground grade you, like, even more. See, I think the lowest should be Mark Sanchez. And the reason I say that is I don't know how their grading scale works or, or anything like that, but one butt fumble outweighs <laughs> six picks, in my humble opinion. That's like a minus 40 on the, like, you should you should be able yeah. to go into the negatives for a butt fumble. You know, the Absolutely. crazy thing is Mark Sanchez not even on the list. So, uh, and and this is only quarterbacks in the last five years. I don't know. Was the, was the butt fumble pre-2011 or see I'm, I'm having trouble with the timing now but um, the the first guy on here from, from 2011 John Skelton for the Cardinals he had a, a 25.7 grade uh, Fitzpatrick a 21.4 I look down the list and this is all either uh, quarterbacks who who were great at one time and and were just at a point in their career where they were kind of maybe falling off a little bit uh, or quarterbacks who were never good because I go down the list, Ryan Fitzpatrick now uh, number one on the list. Then there's Peyton Manning, who it was a, a game last year against Kansas City where he he clearly wasn't right. Uh, Brandon Whedon uh, when he was with uh, Cleveland, I believe. Matt Schaub on the list. John Skelton with Arizona. Jameis Winston, that was his very first game. So it's hard to to crush him for that. 
and uh, Brian Hoyer last year the, in the playoffs last year for Houston, where they got shut out by Kansas City. Uh, you have Colin Kaepernick who, kind of before he was pulled in favor of um, in favor of Blaine Gabbert. Carson Palmer in the championship game last year versus Carolina had a terrible game and uh, Geno Smith. So when you when you hear those quarterback names, not uh, it's an interesting mix of players who never really were good and, and players who were on the way out at the toward the end of their career. Maybe Carson Palmer is one of those guys that, that you can put that tag on. I don't know. I think there's some evidence with uh, Carson Palmer being on that list. And uh, we'll we'll talk more about that uh, on the all 32 picks an IPA show for sure, because Carson Palmer had a dumpster fire week this week. Um, not looking like uh, the guy that uh, was an MVP candidate for most of the regular season last year, looking a lot more like the dude who went out and laid an egg in the NFC championship game. But uh, getting back to the jets, uh, one thing that uh, has to be concerning if you're a jets fan news comes out today that Eric Decker is being evaluated. It sounds like he has an injury that could possibly keep him out. Mm. Um, MRIs or something like that are scheduled. That would be, That'd be a big help for the Seahawks. I mean, they do have good weapons when you talk about uh, Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall. I know Brandon Marshall's a, an older receiver, but he's still a beast. That guy can still flat out play. And uh, Matt Forte in the in the backfield, I've been impressed with him throughout his career. Uh, a real workhorse of a of a back. I think one thing that does work in the Seahawks' favor as well is uh, no Breno Giacomini in this game. Yeah, uh, some dude at right tackle playing with the last name Qval. Qval. <laughs> I don't know. It's just Q and then Veil. I've never seen anything spelled like that before in my life. And uh, if I, I don't know if he's any good or not. Pro Football Focus doesn't think so. So uh, maybe that pass rush will have a, a little success there on the right side of the Jets' offensive line. Well, to me, the one key, what it really comes down to in this game is Fitz could be one way or the other. I, I think the key for the Seahawks is stopping Matt Forte and the Jets are number two in the NFL right now in yeah. attempts just rushing up the middle. And if the Seahawks can keep that that pressure that they've been able to put on teams to hold them early on in games to really plug up that run, you you saw him you saw him do it to the 49ers early on in this game before they they clearly didn't mind if the 49ers were going to be running the ball toward the end of the game. And that's when you saw Carlos Hyde pick up a lot of his yards. But you saw him shut down Gurley and you saw him shut down the Dolphins. And so if they can keep that pressure on teams in the run game, give it to Fitzpatrick, see what kind of quarterback he can be in this game to see if he can be accurate Fitzpatrick or to see if he'll be pick Patrick instead of Fitzmagic. Uh, that that's where you really want to put the pressure on this Jets offense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, if you're Jaron Reed, Ataba Rubin, and uh, Garrison Smith, have you ever heard of Garrison Smith before? Since the, before this last game, I he was out there. I'm like, who the hell is Smith? <laughs> but the idea that the Jets do run up the middle quite a bit, they're gonna get uh, they're gonna get a workout this game. Garrison Smith was a guy that got cut by the 49ers, and he was tearing it up in the preseason. He was like one of their final cuts uh, for for the 49ers. And uh, hearing from the Better Rivals podcast, they they really liked him and wanted to keep him, but they they just had apparently too much depth at the time uh, <laughs> before maybe that was before Ian Williams went down and otherwise maybe he could still be on their roster but uh, yeah Garrison Smith and then Tony McDaniel 
but the other guy for the Seahawks on the defensive line that you, you want to see him plugging up that middle. Yeah, that was definitely one of those moments where I was like, I thought I was a fan of this team. <laughs> Never, I, I, I literally had to look it up. Yeah. Yeah, I I rem- see that that's a name that I so I maybe I'm just one up in you on this one. I, I knew that name. I yeah. remember that him being one of those guys uh, that came to the team after the 53 man roster. He wasn't initially on the 53 man roster, but uh, picking up picking him up from the 49ers coming over. And now uh, you got to see him out there against his former team. Well, look, Brandon, I thought I'd bring it up because I'd have some support and solidarity. No, be like, yeah, no support I for really me. Heard him. No, I, no, I totally, I, knew, I totally who knew who he was. You're a <laughs> catfish fan. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it, oh. man. Catfish. For Appreciate a Seahawks fan, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that follows this stuff. Yeah. No, no support for me, Adam. I'm sorry. No. That's okay. That's all right. I, what is this? The pick show? I figured, like, <laughs> usually you save your vitriol for that. Yeah. No, nope, not so much. So, anything else before we head on to do better and better life? Nope, not a thing. I don't know anything about this team, including Garrison Smith. So, let's just wrap it up there. <laughs> that, that might be a good move before you embarrass yourself further. Garrison Smith. <laughs> on this week's 3 and 3 Out, you can call me Elmer because I do believe we're starting to come together. After a dismantling of Chip Kelly's kneelers, our future is looking so bright, I gotta wear blue blockers. Read this week's article to see how an A became an E, and how a tale of two Jimmys has us Hawks fans partying like it's 2013. Enjoy this week's post written exclusively for the Seahawkers Podcast. Thanks, Clinton. And you can go to seahawkerspodcast.com slash 3i3o and uh, check out each week, Clinton Bonner's posts three in, three out, recapping the previous week of Seahawks action. And this week was a win, so I'm sure you're going to want to go and check that out. It's much funner to win, uh, read about wins than it is losses, no doubt about it. That is, tr- it's always better to win than lose. I we've covered this over and over. I know. I'm just saying, like it's one of those things, like uh, you know, the theory of relativity, right? Like we we continue to find new things to prove it right. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with this. The theory of it's better to win than it's lose. We just find new reasons to reaffirm <laughs> the fact that this is a correct theory. Coming up this weekend in New York, Seahawks fans, the Seahawks road crew is getting folks together. Uh, they're gathering in parking lot J with other Seahawks fans at MetLife Stadium. So check out the Seahawks road crew Facebook page and see what events they have going on. Parking lot J this weekend. Be there if you're going to be in New York. You bet. That'll be an awesome time. And because uh, I think this, this is going to be a fun game for people. I remember somebody had written in last week and they're concerned that Russell wouldn't be playing. Well, it's looking like by all accounts he will be. So go and join some friends and uh, and hang out in the parking lot and then go and watch Russell with your daughter. You're going to have a good time. And we're going to get into our do better and better at life before then. We got a little bit of Seahawks news since we started the first half of the show, Adam. Yeah, we, we did. Uh, the Seahawks signed uh, CJ Spiller as we're uh, quickly going through the second half of the show this week. Uh, we'll get into more of what that might mean to the Seahawks and everything in the bonus show this week. Uh, and that is for Patreon members, which we're going to recognize a few of those before we uh, sign off here today as well, because apparently guilt is effective uh, <laughs> to get people to uh, to to do that. So this year I'm going to use pra- or this uh, week I'm going to use praise. Uh, and so we'll get into a little bit of that, but. Yeah, uh, C.J. Spiller signed uh, because Thomas Rawls going to be out for a number of weeks. 
Yeah, Zach Brooks brought into the practice squad, too, so bringing him back. But yeah, C.J. Spiller, like that signing after leaving New Orleans. I, I think he's going to fit in here for the next couple weeks to help keep that one-two punch alive that I think Pete Carroll really wants this team to have. Well, it's a good security blanket in case Kristen Michael gets hurt. Right. I mean, even if C.J. Spiller isn't what he once was, I mean, he's a guy that come in he can play. I mean, that's he's, he's solid enough to do that. So and now you have two C.J.'s on the team, so that's cool, too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for sure. But uh, so uh, I think the one thing because of uh, our weird schedule today, things got kind of messed up for Brandon and I, I think we're going to skip emails uh, right at this point. But don't worry, we're going to read all your emails in the bonus show. And you know what's awesome about that? You're like, well, I'm not a patron. I, I don't get the bonus show. We're going to make our second bonus show uh, in a row here available to everybody so you can see what you're missing. And uh, and then after that, then it's going to be exclusive for the <laughs> Patreon folks. But uh yeah, the point being is we just want to give you a little taste. Also, uh, that's a great place for us to catch overflow this week. Well, and the one thing that our members of the flock are getting this week is a bonus show of Adam, your appearance on uh, KGEZ, the, the Kalispell Sports Radio Show. And uh, so for those members of the flock, that's what you're going to get this week. That's exactly right. And that was, uh, that was a lot of fun, especially being on radio station that I listened to growing up. So that was a, a bit of a trip. Well, let's get into our new members of the flock. And I ha- I wanted to do something special. We had a couple more one-time donations come in, Adam. And I thought, mm-hmm. what can we do that's a little bit different and and just show our appreciation and, and maybe pass along some of our appreciation to specific members of the team? So let's start off with uh, a special thanks to today's associate producer, David Glennon, who came in with a KJ Wright. And uh, let's send out so what I'm going to be calling... Hawk Mojo to KJ Wright. Keep believing. That's all we talked about. Keep believing. Take it one play at a time. Keep trusting each other. Fight, fight, fight to the very end. There's, there's three zeros left on the clock. There you go, David. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sending in the one-time KJ Wright donation. Appreciate it. Was that was that KJ Wright right there? That was KJ Wright after the NFC Championship game against Green Bay. Saying, keep believing. Always fight till the end. I, I think it's fight, an inspiring fight. quote from... Uh, our, our linebacker. That's hilarious. Well, an inspiring donation as well. It's very generous. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it uh, more than you know. And another one-time donation from Jamie Wesley in the Sherman category. And I do we go do we go NFC Championship game again, Adam, or do we go uh, some better at life Hawk Mojo? I'm going better at life Hawk Mojo. I am intelligent enough, capable enough to understand that you are ignorant pompous, egotistical, cretinton. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm going to crush you on here in front of everybody because I'm tired of hearing about it. In my 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Never gets old. It never gets old. In my 24 <laughs> years of life, I am better at life than you. Hilarious. And obviously that goes back to better at life than Skip Bayless. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, cool. And thank you. Thank you once again. Those were both Again, very, very generous donations, and they'll get in with all of the uh, the benefits that they would get as if they did a monthly subscription. We just uh, divvy that out, right? That's right. And uh, so, yeah, we'll be we'll be making sure David Glennon gets in our patron league. Running down our list of our new members of the flock on at getintheflock.com. Let's start off with a six dollar pledge from Brian at Deathridge. He will be joining our Seahawkers podcast ring of honor on facebook along with getting into our patreon league 
Awesome. Hey, welcome, Brian. Uh, we welcome you to the Ring of Honor. The Ring of Honor is fun uh, because that is the place where Brandon and I interact, or at least I interact the most uh, during the games. I know Brandon does a few of the social media things. Um, but this week, especially with Brandon at the game, I tried to step up my social media game. You did it. I, I, I thought I, I thought I did a good job. Usually I, I'm not fantastic with that. But if you like interacting with us and a lot of other great 12s, uh, if you get in the Ring of Honor, it's it's really fun. And we have three three dollar pledge, the hustle like Russell donation coming in. You are in the Patreon league. Uh, I will be sending out the code for those folks to get in. And uh, Leland Lariosa, uh, who is in and actually finished first this week, I'll get into that. Uh, another three dollar pledge from Andrew McLennan. Welcome to the flock, Andrew, and a three dollar pledge from Jeff Lamont. Welcome to the flock to the three of you. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you uh, once again. Again, I'm going with praise this week because last week I went with guilt. Uh, uh, I, I, I am assuming all these people like grew up Catholic or something. Uh, and that's why that's why they were uh, guilted in to finally do it. But no, we, we do appreciate you getting ever so closer to that goal of doing three shows a week. So keep it up, folks. And Lee, Leland pointing the way I, gets into the, the patron league. And in the very first week and in a, a week where everybody does terribly, able to pull off the win and that's that's how you do it that's pretty smart thinking right there if you know you're if you know you're doing well that week yeah yeah that's how that's how you do it and we got four more members of the flock to thank harshad sawani uh in the flock getting the sticker and the bonus shows jim hines welcome to the flock another one dollar pledge from jd welcome to the flock and bulldozer we this is our first uh piece of uh tractor equipment uh in the flock so welcome bulldozer Absolutely. And, uh, well, he's going to bulldoze his way to some bonus content, uh, with that, uh, $1 a month donation. So thank you so much. And again, that's all it takes to get the, the bonus shows. If you guys are so inclined and, uh, we're again, pushing forward to that goal. So thank you to all of you sign up at get in the or one-time donation at seahawkerspodcast.com and, uh, click the link there. Let's get into our pick'em league update. As I mentioned in the patron league, Spooty Poo, 160 points. Congratulations, Leland. Solid name and uh, and picking up the win in a in a pretty tough week. Oh, man. Better to be lucky than good. That's all I would say, probably, for, for those people that managed to get uh, a high score this week. That's the only explanation is just sheer luck. And in the patron league, you got every day I'm wrestling our fellow Missoulian with 460 uh, going for the autograph Largent jersey. I, it, mm-hmm. it would make it easy enough to hand deliver it. And, and this is Jared uh, Perkins, not Jared Tim, our, our, our co-host of the all 32 picks and IPAs. Yeah, this is better Jared. <laughs> the, the good Jared. Yeah, not the yeah. dark side Jared. Well, cool. Yeah, uh, I know. I know you just don't want to see it in my hands is basically what it boils down to, which is fine. I'm doing a good job of making sure that doesn't happen on my own. So. Yeah. I don't even need your ill wishes. And uh, Graf Hawk and Toon Hawk following up behind every day. I'm rustling in the Seahawkers podcast league going for the KJ Wright autograph football. Overall, M Jelly 20 in the lead, uh, followed by Bull Buster and Aaron Goings with 460 points. And this, well played, people. Well played. This week's winner, Belazo, 180 points. Only what? missed only missed the Cardinals, Bills and the Redskins Giants game. Belazo is a Russian hacker. That's the only way they got 180 points. They went in after the fact and changed all their picks. That's that's a true fact. I, I'm I'm inclined to believe that too. So, but for for 
coming away with a score like that, Belazo, send in an email to gohawks at seahawkerspodcast.com. I have to send you a prize for 180 points in a tough week like that. Yeah, that's uh that is prize worthy, no doubt. You know what else is prize worthy? My pick of the week for uh a screen name this week, my prize goes to small, medium, largent. Uh, <laughs> I just I don't know why. It tickled my funny bone and uh so get in touch with the show at Seahawkers po- or uh gohawks at seahawkerspodcast.com. Let us know who you are. We'll get you a sticker. Indeed. And we mentioned last week, we teased it. We will be giving away a random prize for those of you who have registered your team name at seahawkerspodcast.com. There's a link there below all of the other uh, places where you can join the league. And so I'm going to go ahead to go and go to random.org and uh, type in a number. Or, well, let's see. We can put in 87 people. That's how many people who have signed up there, uh, entered their screen name. And let's go ahead and generate the random number. 82. Let's go see who Woo! is it. 82. <laughs> it's JK is right. Josh Kays. Congratulations. Wow, Josh Kays is a lucky guy. Did you like my did you like my computer noises? I did. That's solid. I, I, I don't, don't even have to put in a, a sound effect now because I have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been working on stuff for the show. I'm trying to get better. So, Josh, I am giving away the first pair of I guess I should say trousers because I know people in England. If you say <laughs> pants, they think it's underwear. These aren't pants. These are these are Seahawks uniform trousers. Uh, and uh, yes, so Josh, you are going to get the first pair of those, my friend. Or I don't know with this big week by by Kristen Michael Adam. Do, do we should I give away the the Kristen Michael autograph rookie card? Is this like the high point? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I felt I don't know, that man. Like that's something I that has history with the show. I don't know that you can be giving it out, man. I, I you, you might want to hold on to that. Okay. If he ends up like leading the league and rushing this year and has an awesome year, then we make that one of the 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 bigger prizes at the at the end of the year. There you go. I That's like what it. we do because not only would it be for a guy who's now kind of found it and is is playing well, but it also has history with the show. Okay, well, Josh, you can either pick uh, the pants uh, for the for the Seahawks, the, the piece of uniform item, or I will send you a armed and dangerous Russell Wilson poster. You get to pick. Ooh. Ooh, the poster's sweet. That hangs over my. I know. I, I'm looking. I can see yeah. just a little bit of a corner in our, our Skype view right now. Exactly. All right, and as as Adam mentioned, we're going to be skipping emails, but we do have a review from Kennedy in Sweden. It says five of five, awesome pod. You are crushing it. Thank you, Kennedy. Because that went towards the uh, the international review competition you were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Helped us with that. So thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the kind words and. Uh, We'll we'll try to keep bringing you a quality product week in week out. On to better at life and do better. Let's start off with do better, Adam. All right, my do better this week is for the forehead, Peyton Manning. <laughs> and the reason is for Peyton Manning is when he retired last year, I thought I was done with Peyton Manning. You know what I'm not done with? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning's everywhere. Peyton Manning's on my TV screen. Peyton Manning's on billboards. Peyton Manning's on my team stream. Peyton Manning's to- tobogganing down the Chinese wall. Look it up. He really did that. He's, he's still humming that stupid nationwide thing, and that gets stuck in my head all the time. I'm done with it. I'm d- it's not funny anymore. Chicken parm doesn't taste so good anymore. <laughs> I'm tired of his fat forehead on my TV. He's not that cool. He, it's just I'm just done. You're retired. You're gone. Fade into the sunset. Peyton Manning, do better. 
I agree. Chicken parm does not taste as good as it did as as it once did. Yeah, he's ruined that sandwich for me. Great. I ruined that sandwich for Adam. <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's close enough. Yeah. Might do better this week. I'm I'm getting political, Adam. I'm well, kind of. Uh, my do better this week. We just had the debates with with mm-hmm. Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton. A ton of people watched. Uh, but the one thing that bothered me was right at the beginning, and that was the commission on presidential debates. Stop calling yourself nonpartisan. You're clearly run by Republicans and Democrats when you don't invite anybody else but Republicans or Democrats. There's there's other people out there, too. Uh, you know, maybe they're not the best candidates either, but you should allow people to judge for themselves based on the debates. And so for you not calling yourself Clearly partisan group that only cares about having Republicans or Democrats in the debate, the commission on presidential debates do better. Solid do better. Did you know it was the League of Women Voters who used to decide who participated? In yes. The and, and I think that group was truly a nonpartisan group. It was. And then the whole thing was hijacked by partisan uh, people because the people in the, uh, the the select it now, they're like heads of both parties right. like they're higher ups and one of the two parties they're the like, ones it, that instituted yeah. that that 15 percent polling requirement uh to get into the debates and when you have partisan organizations that are in charge of doing the polling it's going to be really difficult to get to 15 percent yeah go figure yeah on oh, a better at life than skip bayless i almost uh selected lester holt this week the moderator of the the <laughs> debate because i thought given the circumstances he did all right like you know like just pat on the back i, I but, don't know uh, if he showed up for the first 30 minutes because i i just saw back and forth but uh <laughs> well, hey, that's a tough look, gig that's a tough gig he got a couple of words in edgewise and he uh got on the crowd for cheering i thought i thought he did about as well as a guy can <laughs> and he, you know and he, he hammered home on some things i good good job but really my better at life than skip this this week is for none other than JJ Watt. And the reason is, is we all know that he just re-injured his back. But what I like is the way that he's responded to it. And uh, he basically, he had two statements. One's a little longer that, uh, you know, it's a little more of your regular fluff, right? But his tweet that he put out regarding this, I like a lot. He says, adversity sucks. Your attitude towards it doesn't have to. I will be back. And I like that. And the reason why I, he's better at life for me this week is I think the thing that most people struggle the most with throughout life is learning how to deal with adversity, to deal with failure. And because especially in today's day and age where everybody gets a trophy for freaking everything, that nobody knows what it means to fail and how to deal with it. And that truly is what defines you as a human being. And J.J. Watt, with just that statement right there and his attitude about the whole thing, and how he's just so focused to overcome this. I think it's a great example, and it helps teach people what to do when they're faced with their own adversity. And for that, J.J. Texan, better at life than Skip Bayless. I've always been a big J.J. Texan fan. I do hope he comes back, too, because that dude, you know, MVP. He should have been MVP of the league a, a couple of years in a row. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I may have said that a time or two. Well, and you know what? I I, I mentioned I, I was going political in my do better segment. I'm going political in my better at life, too. Ooh, OK. I know it's it's a political second half of the show, Adam. This and, is unusual for you. Bring the fire, Brandon. Let's go. <laughs> well, my better at life this week is for Illinois State Senator Napoleon Harris, the third. I don't know if you oh. saw this story, but uh, uh, Napoleon Harris is a Did former. 
He did play. He played football okay. for the Oakland Raiders and the Minnesota Vikings. And he found out this week that he was actually helping authorities find suspects in a murder case. And let me tell you how this went down, Adam. This, okay. uh, he, he's the owner of two Bears Pizza franchises. So on top of being an Illinois state senator, which, which probably it must not pay enough if you have also have to run your, your pizza franchise. Mm. But, uh, they got a call in just before closing time, uh, earlier this month. And rather than allow one of his employees to go out late and, you know, keep, have him stick around, Napoleon said, you know what? I, I'm going to go ahead and cover this delivery for you. You can go ahead and take off. So already right there. Very cool gesture from a yeah. guy who is the owner of this pizza franchise. Well, as it turns out, he goes out and uh, it was a couple guys who uh, four guys who uh, didn't want a pizza. They were looking to jack someone up. And Whoa. they expected, you know, kind of a smallish kind of guy. Not Napoleon Harris. <laughs> not not Napoleon Harris the third. So when Napoleon shows up, they think, oh well, we're all in now anyway. We gotta we gotta go after after this guy to to get his money. And they he shows up at the house. It's kind of abandoned. I'm sure he's probably thinking, okay, what what's going on? The guys jump him. Napoleon fights off all four guys. They they put a, a chokehold around him that wasn't working, uh, just too strong. He he overpowers all four guys, and uh, and it turns out that uh, one of the guys, or at least some of the men involved, they they had uh, kidnapped and uh, and and murdered uh, somebody, um, a Georgia man named Lester Roy Jones, and so by by fighting off these attackers. And working with police to to get them the evidence uh, that, that came out of that crime that helped them track down these guys who were part of this murder. And so it just the whole entire series of events for him to be the one to to take care of his employee and uh, and make the delivery. It, it turned out um, to, to help track down some real bad dudes. And for that, Napoleon Harris, the third better at life than Skip Bayless. Great story, Brandon. Well done by you. Well done by Napoleon. That was amazing. And he's running for for the uh, actual uh, Senate um, now too. How how do you not vote for that guy? I know if you're if you live in Illinois. I mean, here's a guy that's that's saving he, lives. Yeah, saving lives, making life easier on his employees, cleaning up the streets. Yeah, man. He basically is a superhero. They should make a Netflix like superhero series out of Napoleon Harris's life. <laughs> that's, what, that's what should happen next well cool man good show this week uh since we are short on time uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here quickly but we want to thank everybody and uh, again uh tune into the bonus show for some emails a little news on cj spiller and those sort of things that'll be available for everybody this week and uh i think with that there's only one thing left to say go hawk go hawks go hawks